I want to take you through some of the traditions of Judaism. I want to take you a little bit into some of the Jewish traditions that have been followed across the world. This morning we want to talk about seven Jewish festivals or feasts that are observed by the Jews across the world. They are pointing to Lord Jesus Christ. But in this, this short given time, I will not be able to go much detail, but barely I'll be able to scratch the surface of bringing some good information with the help of the word of God and with what is happening across the globe. And this morning I pray that God may open our eyes to see the wonderful things that God had already put in the word of God that is being practiced today. So I need to define, you know, I need to just confine myself and I need to be very clear. So I put a rational behind this sermon. So if you can read that with me, this is the rational or basis for this sermon this morning. It says the richness of God's word and the deeper truths are revealed when we understand the former events of the Bible that were pointing to Christ continued as tradition by the Jews and symbolically referring to the future events associated with Christ's return. Let's do that again. Just one sentence, I guess, one long sentence now. Let's read that again. The richness of God's word and the deeper truths are revealed when we understand the former events that took place in the Old Testament of the Bible that were pointing to Christ continued as tradition by the Jews and symbolically referring to the future events associated with Christ's return. In other words, we are not interested in any of the traditions that are not pointing to Christ Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Amen? Are you okay? Right, let's look at the next slide. There are four festivals associated with each of the harvest season. There is an early harvest and there is a later harvest. There are four festivals that are attached with the early harvest and there are three festivals that are attached with the later harvest. We don't need to really observe any of these festivals or feasts in our walk with the Lord. We don't really need to do it. But it gives an understanding that these feasts give us practical understanding of, of the work that Jesus accomplished, fulfilling all the requirements of these feasts and festivals. Jesus did that already. If it can get a little, little more feedback. Jesus already accomplished. He fulfilled all the requirements that these feasts and these festivals are requiring. He already accomplished. He already satisfied all the, all the requirements. And we don't re really need to do that again. But looking into these things will really help us. And help us to understand how our God and what our God did in the Old Testament. Pointing to Christ. Pointing to the things which are yet to come. And in the New Testament and the days which are yet to come. Let's look at these festivals during the early harvest. The number one festival is the Feast of Passover. We read that in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23 verses 4 to 8. We may not go there. It's also known as Pesach. Pesach. Pesach in Hebrews. 
The feast is observed in remembrance of the Passover or the last plague that passed over the houses of children of Israel. Wherever the, the plague saw, the blood of the lamb was applied. The, the plague did not attack that house. It passed over. If you remember, they killed the lamb. Remember when Jesus walked before John the Baptist and he said, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And there is no need of killing another lamb because Jesus himself died. So during Passover, every Jewish family sit around the table and they have a Seder meal. If you remember a couple of months before, maybe years before we talked about that, Seder meal has a plate which has six compartments and it has six different elements or food varieties kept in that plate. And during that feast, they remember how Moses led children of Israel from the bondage into freedom. The second festival that we see there is unleavened bread, the feast of the unleavened bread. We read that again in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 6. So this is a seven-day-long feast. This feast begins just a day followed by Passover, following Passover. So the children of Israel, they started moving out of Egypt. As they had to go, immediately there was no time for them to add leaven, yeast to the bread that they had prepared. And they couldn't even wait to keep the breads there, you know, for the bread to, 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 to leaven or to ferment. They had to carry whatever they had in hand and, you know, as they came out uh, from Egypt. So that's the reason it is called the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. During this time, they remember the hardship the children of Israel they had in Egypt and the freedom that God had promised them. They have not seen that yet. By her, they had all the troubles and pains and sorrows and the deaths that they encountered in Egypt and they were moving forward into the wilderness thinking about all the good things that God is continuing to do in their life with a great expectation. If you remember, Levin also refers to sin. It represents the sin-free life of Lord Jesus Christ. Unleavened bread. The sin-free life of Lord Jesus Christ. The third feast that we see there that is taking place in the, in the early harvest, during the early harvest, is the feast of the first fruits. Read that in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10. It's one of the feasts that we see where they eat food, they bring food into the presence of God to give thanks to Him. They bring the provisions into the presence of God to give thanks for all the provisions that he is continuing to do in their lives. So the feast of the first fruit was celebrated on the third day of the feast of Passover. The feast of the first fruit was celebrated on the third day of the Passover. You know, some of these details you may not remember, but always when we have the sermon in, in YouTube, you will also have the presentation that will help you to continue to study these word of God. So the feast of the first fruit happens on the third day of the Passover. The third day is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, every feast they had, they are pointing to the coming of the Messiah. And they either for the first coming or for or the second coming. If you remember, Paul writes saying that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, he says, Jesus has become the first fruit. 
the feast of the first fruit, which happened on the third day of the Passover when Jesus rose on the third day. Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We see the pattern. Everything that, that was talked about, that was observed in the Old Testament is pointing to the coming of the Messiah. The fourth feast that we see there Feast of the weeks or the Pentecost. We read that in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 16. Shavuot. Shavuot is the feast of the weeks or the feast of Pentecost. The feast of the Pentecost occurred exactly on the, at the end of the seventh week after the feast of the first fruits. It occurred exactly on the seventh week. If you remember, Jesus froze from the dead. And after seven weeks on the day, on the 50th day, was the day of Pentecost. So exactly the same thing taking place in the Old Testament. The 50th day since the resurrection day was observed as the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. We see the children of Israel in the wilderness. They are observing the feast of the week, the Pentecost, exactly on the 50th day from the feast of the first fruit. And that was the day the Holy Spirit was given to us. And that was the day, the, 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 it was the day of the birth of the church. 3,000 people got added into the church and later on 5,000 and church multiplied. So we talked about a couple of feasts that were observed during the early harvest. Let's move further to look into some of the feasts during the final harvest. Feast of Trumpets. We read that in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 24. It's also known as Rosh Hashanah. Can you say Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah, it's known as Feast of the Trumpets. Feast of the Trumpets is observed on the first day of the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. It's the first day of the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. Feast of the Trumpet. It is also known as the Jewish New Year. This morning, as we read the scriptures, as we understand what God had done in the wilderness, you know, today we are amazed to see how planning, you know, how much planning that God had put into those things, how much He was thoughtful of the things which are yet to come on the face of this earth. You know, the first four feasts that we talked about, it talked about, it represented the, the life and the ministry of Lord Jesus Christ, the Passover, unleavened bread. Passover, he was the Passover lamb. Unleavened bread, he was the sin-free lamb who, who, who died at the cross. First fruit, he rose from the dead as a first fruit. And he set the path that, you know, we'll be able to follow and we will rise again from the dead. And he pointed the disciples and asked them to wait in the upper room for the day of Pentecost. And as we move further, we talked about the Feast of Trumpet, Rosh Hashanah. This feast begins at the first day of the seventh month. Number seven, what does number seven mean? Anybody knows what is number seven? Number seven, anyone? Fullness, somebody said fullness. Who said that? You see, fullness, that's right. Completion, fulfillment, fullness, exactly. So this feast begins on the first day of the seventh month. Seven refers to fullness, completion. So seventh month is a sabbatical month of the year. 
just as God rested on the seventh day. You know, this morning you need to keep your eyes and minds open to relate as I speak. Just as Lord God, you know, rested on the seventh day after creation, the holy month begins. Sabbath refers to holiness. Sunday, Sabbath day is observed as a holy day. So the seventh month is a holy month. So, you know, during this month they sound trumpets. So trumpet is sounded in these villages and in the towns, you know, telling, declaring the solemn time of preparation for the day of atonement. Feast of trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah, which also means head of the year. Because as I said, it marks the Jewish, the beginning of the Jewish civil calendar. That is, that's why it is considered as a Jewish new year. The seventh month of the Hebrew, Hebrew calendar is the first month of the Jewish year. It's also known as head of the year. Also, it is a time of prayer because the day of atonement is coming. It is a time of sanctification and it is a time of Shua. Shua means return. The concept of repentance the concept of coming back, the concept of having a new beginning is all observed during the feasts of Tump Trumpet. And this theme is continued during the holidays as Jews get together, Jews get together and observe this festival or the Feast of Trumpets. During this season, the regular work is pro prohibited and men and women, they bring burnt offering into the presence of God and sin offering into the presence of God. Let's move further. The sixth feast that we see is the Day of Atonement. We read that in Leviticus chapter 16 and chapter 23 verses 26 and 20, 32 through 32. Yom Kippur is also known as Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the tenth day of the month as you see in the chart. First day is the day of the, the Feast of the Trumpets and we see the tenth day, the Day of Atonement. The tenth day is the day of atonement, the day of the month. For the ten days from since the feast of the trumpet, Israel, they repent and they turn back to God. You know, if you notice when Debbie was praying, she was mentioning that it is a time of coming back to God. It is a time of repentance. You know, they come back to God, they turn back to God because the most holy day is yet to come. The day, day of atonement is coming. The day of atonement. Yom Kippur, on this day, the high priest takes the blood of the lamb. Now they still observe. And we believe Jesus went ahead of us as a high priest. The high priest enters the Holy of Holies on behalf of the congregation, sprinkling the blood of the sacrifice seven times in the mercy seat and obtaining atonement for the sins of the people of God. By doing this, Israel is forgiven and they prepare for the final holy feast that is called the Feast of Tabernacle. You know, there is a group of Jews still believe and then they still follow this tradition. There is another group of Jews. They realize that Jesus is the Lamb. He died and He atoned for us. There is no reason we need to do this. 
But you know, see the significance they, they put for this tradition and the way they follow, the way they observe, you know, that makes it holy, that brings the solemn presence of the living God into those houses where they observe. The final one is the Feast of the Tabernacle or the Feast of Booths. It's also known as Sukkot. 15th day of the month. Starting on the 15th day, Israel, they move out of their house. They dwell in booths and tents for seven days. Families will join together and they will wave the palm branches and they are going to have a most joyous time in their lives for all the provision that God has given to them. For God bringing out people of Israel from the wilderness, even though they were wandering in the wilderness 40 for 40 years, he set them in freedom. This morning we are going to send rest of the, spend the rest of the time on one of the significant feasts known as the Feast of Trumpets. Can you say Feast of Trumpets? This morning I titled my sermon as Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets are Rosh Hashanah, which means head of the year. It's the first day of the Jewish year. In this year, 2021, Rosh Hashanah begins tomorrow. Tomorrow evening by Monday evening on September 6th. And it ends in the evening of Wednesday. So Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets, it begins tomorrow. So all this Jewish synagogue, if you go there, you know, they are all set ready. They are already serving those feasts. And if you go there, I heard the Jewish synagogue in Halifax is open for you to visit. Rosh Hashanah begins tomorrow, Monday, September 6th. And it ends in the evening of Wednesday, September 8th. That we are talking about according to the Gregorian calendar, the calendar that we use today. And both of these days are considered holy. And both these days are considered as one single day with 48 hours. Let's look at the biblical significance of this Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Trumpets is first mentioned in Leviticus, if you can turn our Bibles to, Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 to 25. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, the seventh month according to the Hebrews calendar. On the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation, holy assembly of people of God. Verse 25, you shall do no customary work on it. Till today, some of the Jews, they follow this. You shall do no customary work on it and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. We read this in much detail in Numbers chapter 29 verses 1 to 6. We'll not go there. The Feast of Trumpets marked in the beginning of the 10 days of consecration and repentance to God. Jewish believe that, or Jews believe that on this day, on this day of the Feast of, Feast of, Feast of Trumpets, on this day God created the heavens and the earth. That's what they believe. Seven days from there, they believe in different things. They also believe that Adam was created on this day. 
They also believe on this day Samuel was born. They also believe the first temple was dedicated on this day. There are a couple of many other things they, they believe they associate with some of the things, the happenings of the Old Testament. Jews continue to use the trumpet during Rosh Hashanah. You can see the next slide. They use an instrument called shofar. Shofar is a trumpet made out of ram's horn. That's how it looks. That's what they use today. Even today, trumpets are mentioned throughout the Bible. All through the Bible, we come across trumpet. It's such an amazing instrument to bring praises to God. Trumpets are blown in a couple of situations. Trumpets are blown during celebration. Any kind of celebration, the Jewish, Jewish community, they come together and they blow trumpet. Even in different parts of the globe, even non-Jews, they practice this custom of blowing trumpets when, when, when war is called. When there is a call to assemble, there is a call to march, trumpets are used. Both in Old Testament and New Testament, we come across blowing of trumpet in many different situations. Do you remember some of those instances where trumpet was used? When God gave Ten Commandments to the Israel. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. I, I think I'm answering one answer of the quiz. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Now all the people witness the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and they stood afar off. Even at the giving of the Ten Commandments, we see trumpet being used. When, when children of Israel were roam, walking, marching around Jericho, the walls collapsed at the blowing of the trumpet. We read it in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. If you can read with me, Joshua 6, 20. We see the significance of trumpet being used in the scripture. So the people shouted. Can you read that with me? So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down. Trumpet was used as an amazing instrument in the hands of God. Prophet Zechariah makes reference to the coming of the Lord. We read that in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 14. Then the Lord will be seen over them. And his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with whirlwind from the south. The Lord God is going to blow the trumpet on the day, the day of the Lord. Prophet Joel makes a mention of the day of the Lord. We read that from Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And sound an alarm in my holy mountain, God says. Let all the inhabitants of the land trample, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. Trumpet is used. Even in the kingdom of God. Even in the kingdom that is yet to come. Lord's second coming will be announced to the church. With the trumpet sound, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, we are reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read verses 6 and 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, of an archangel. Can you read with me? And with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then who are alive and remain shall be caught up with, together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. The second coming, the rapture, 
It's going to take place in the mid of the air. And we are going to hear the trumpet voice. Again, if you go back to the book of Revelation, we see the book of Revelation talks about seven trumpets that are associated with seven judgments that are being poured out on the face of this earth. What an amazing instrument that God has chosen to use in his kingdom. What is that we are reminded today? So far I said many different things. So you may have asked a question, Pastor, what, what do you want me to do now? I'm not going to observe the Jewish festival. And I know that Bible talks about trumpet. And what do you want me to do? These are the couple of things, four different things that we need to do. Number one. We need to recognize that our God is the Lord over all the earth. You know, when I study this, the festivals and the feasts, I realize how powerful our God is. You know, many times we are so visual, we are so, we are so uh, sensitive to see, touch and see and feel. And as they observe this feast, they feel they are taken through the process of, of, of knowing God in a very intimate way. You know, that way it really helps. God is the Lord over all the earth. Blowing trumpet signifies a royal entry. If some of you would have seen, when queen comes into some of the feasts, or some of the big uh, uh, meetings when she comes and we see the trumpet being blown. Trumpet signifies a royal entry. He's a God over all the earth. I want to read two scriptures here. Psalm 97 verse 9. Can you read that with me together? For you Lord are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let's read 47.7. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. You know, we are serving amazing God. We are serving a mighty God. He is the Lord over all the earth. The Lord rules. He controls. He takes possession. He takes grips of lives. And he uses them in the kingdom of God. The Lord is the most high God. You know, when we serve such an awesome God, we serve such a majesty God, a powerful God who controls all those things that we see today on the earth. Why are you worried about your situation? When we serve such an amazing God, how can we get worried about our situation? Why God cannot control your situation? Why God cannot handle what is needed for you? How he doesn't, how, how much, how he can hide himself from knowing what you are in need today. You know, when you are in need of something, when you think that it is almost impossible, look at the God whom we serve. Look at the amazing God. Look at the only one who is, who is the Lord over all the earth. As he comes into the earth, it was a royal entry. And the same God is going to come back to this world. Same God is going to come back to this world. And when he comes back, he's going to make another royal entry to establish his kingdom over on this earth. Hallelujah. Shall we put our hands together and give glory to God this morning? I serve a God who is God, Lord over all the earth. Secondly, what do we get out of all this? We need to be ready for the return of the Lord. 
We need to be ready for the return of the Lord. Trumpet sound reminds us that God is coming back. We read that in the book of Revelation. We read that from 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians. When he comes, we hear the trumpet sound that reminds us that God is coming back. Lord God is coming back. One day we are going to hear the voice of the trumpet. We are going to hear the shout with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet sound. And Bible says, those who died, they will awake first. And those who are alive, we will be caught up with the Lord and live with him forever and ever. Just because we are living in 21st century, that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Just because this whole world is busy with many different things, that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It is going to happen. It is a faith. It is a hope. It is assurance on which today you stand and I stand that God is going to come back. It was so severe. The thought was so, so, so much there among disciples of the first century Christians because they were persecuted. They couldn't handle the persecution and they were crying out to God, come Lord, Jesus come. Today the church is not calling because there is no persecution. Because there is no persecution. The moment you and I find that this place is not worth living, you will try to look for the coming of the Lord. Until we live in our comforts, until we live when we have everything in plenty, we don't see God, that's the nature of God. And this morning God wants us to remember that he is going to come back to this world. We may be busy in this world and we may not have time even to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And if we don't prepare, we don't hear the trumpet sound, we will be left behind. And what an awful situation that will be. This morning God wants us to get ready. God wants us to prepare Matthew chapter 24. When the disciples came to Jesus, they asked him one question. What will be the sign of your coming? End of the end of the age. Jesus, you say that you will come back. How do we know? What will be the sign of the ending? The only prophetic book that we see, the only prophetic word that we see today is Matthew chapter 24 of the coming of the Lord. And Bible clearly says no man can predict that. Even Jesus himself doesn't know. How dare man can say that he knows when he is coming back. Nobody knows. Nobody can claim. Matthew 24. Chapter 24 is the prophecy on the coming of the Lord. And he says, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. What does it mean? Nobody knows. We can't go and find out. Even if somebody declared, there are many people they declare, they're saying that they announced, they saying that Lord God is coming on this date. No, it did not happen. It won't happen that way. And God says, Jesus said, watch therefore, for we do not know what hour your Lord is coming. That simply means we need to be, get, we need to be prepared. We need to get ready. Whenever we kneel down in prayer, Let's remember this fact that Jesus is coming back. We are not going to talk to him in this fashion forever. 
He's going to come back. God wants us to prepare. God wants our families to be prepared. God wants our children to be prepared. That, in, that's, that, that being said that it's important that we seek God. It's important that we come to church. It's important we bring our children to Sunday school. Otherwise, how do they know when to seek God? How to seek God? Thirdly, in what way we respond today? We should know the prophetic significance of this day. Blowing of the trumpet reminds us that the judgment is yet to come. Judgment is about to come. As Jesus prophesied on the end of the age, let's read it again. Matthew chapter 24, verses 7 through 12. Let's read it together. For nations will rise again, nations, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. If I ask you to take your pen and underline what, what are those things that are happening today, I sh I'm sure you will underline most of those things that Jesus said. But still Jesus said they are just the beginning of sorrows. They are just the beginning of sorrows. It's not an end. They are just the beginning of sorrows. The tribulation is going to multiply. That also doesn't mean that God is not going to come back in the near future. It doesn't mean that. We don't know when he says beginning of sorrows. We don't know how long it takes for the sorrows to end. We do not know. We do not know. All that we know is when he comes back, from then what is going to happen, it's all laid out in the book of Revelation. But until now, when he's going to come back, nobody knows. Nobody can predict. All that God is expecting us to get ready, get prepared. And by seeing all these things, we know already that we are living in the end times. All of this happening together at one time. There were famines earlier. There were pestilence. But if you see all these are happening together, the love of many is growing cold. We see all this happening all of a sudden, all together. They signify the coming of the Lord. Finally, the fourth things that we need to remember and we need to do. Celebrate as our God is a God of new beginning. As we mentioned, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, is the beginning of a new year that signifies that there is something that's going to begin that is going to be new because God is going to wipe away because God expects people of God to turn back to Him, return back to Him so that God can do something new. God wants us to put our expectation on Him and ask God, Lord, can you start everything new in my life? The fourth thing that we want to do this morning before we leave, we want to celebrate as the Lord God is going to do something new. He's going to begin something new in your life and my life. Let's keep that expectation high this morning. You know, some of us have been waiting for something different to happen in your life. This morning, God is telling you that I'm going to start something new in your life. I want to do something new. And I believe that this is the right time. 
Because I want you to come back to me. I want you to turn back to me so that I can start a new year in your life. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, God says, Behold, can you read this with me? And then we are going to get into time of prayer this morning. Behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. Now, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hopeless places. There is no hope at all. When you look into your life, your future, the past is gone, but now you are standing in a position and looking into your future and you don't have hope. You look like exactly like the wilderness. Your life looks like a desert. You don't have direction. You don't have a clue where to go, what to do. This morning God is speaking to you and he is telling you Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Why it has to spring forth? Now, now is the right time. Tomorrow is the time. Now is the right time. Tomorrow is the starting of the Feast of Trumpet. The Rosh Hashanah. God is going to do something in your life. God wants you to celebrate the new things that God is going to do in your life. I don't know what you are waiting for. What you have been hoping for. This morning God is telling you. That he will do something new to you. Shall we all arise this morning as we get into a time of prayer. As I summarize. The Feast of Trumpets. Rosh Hashanah reminds us. That God is expecting the church. To turn back to him. It's a time of turning back. It is a time of repentance. It is a time of new beginning. This morning God wants us to come back to him. The only way we can come back to him is to take a 180 degree turn, coming back to him, repent. God reminds us that he is in control of the earth. He is the Lord over all the nations. He is the Lord over our lives. He reminds us that we need to prepare for the coming of the Lord because we do not know when God is going to come back to this world. This morning he reminded you. We can never say, Lord, I forgot. He's reminding you this morning that he's coming back to this world. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of the time that we are living in. It's important to know what is happening around us. At times we are buried in our own issues, in our own situation, but God is asking you this morning, don't be ignorant of the time that we are living in. And finally, God is telling you, Celebrate. My son, my daughter, you celebrate. You don't feel like celebrating today. But remember, it's the beginning of a new year. He's going to wipe away. He's going to wipe away your sorrow. And he's going to do something new. Because he's going to make everything anew. This morning, shall we just wait on the Lord? Shall we just look into him as we get into a time of prayer? Hallelujah. Shall we close our eyes and ask him this morning?